that's what he wants them to do. He wants them to get to the byline, play it, cut it back low. Mm. And because Jesus Navas isn't Iron Robin. Is he not? Jesus Navas. Oh, I always thought he was. What Jesus Navas does is just It's the hairstyle that gives it away. Yeah, a little bit. It's a goal from Patrick Roberts, wasn't it? I didn't see it. I was just in shopping. Just go back a little bit. I've got loads of space. How difficult it is to get a pair of size fives, Bailey Button Ugg boots these days. It's very tricky. I would have thought you'd got bigger feet than that. No, no. Small feet. Welcome to Set Piece Menu. This is a brand new podcast where four friends talk about football over food. Today, pastries and coffee a la James Richardson on Football Italia in the 1990s. Raw, if you'd like to explain what you've uh, brought here. Uh, I went to Costa and got a gingerbread muffin and some caramel shortbread slices. Other coffee shops are available. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, and better ones. But because? They had the broadest selection. All right. <laughs> uh, we are together a writer, a commentator, a presenter and a pundit. The writer is indeed Rory Smith, the soccer correspondent for the New York Times, the commentator Steve Wyeth of BT Sport and BBC fame, I'm the presenter, my name is Hugh Ferris, I'll do pretty much anything for anyone, and the pundit is Andy Hinchcliffe, now of Sky Sports, previously of England, seven Seven. Times. Seven caps, can you believe that? Seven times. Extraordinary. The idea on Set Piece Menu is to talk about a single issue on each podcast episode, whether it's burning or simply simmering, and to try and at least have a conversation that challenges the odd cliche, tries to give a new perspective, but almost as importantly, one that takes place around a table where lunch or brunch... <laughs> has been or will be served. Excellent. Those are the parameters. We must stick to it on every show. And there might be some arguing, but that'll probably only happen when Andy tries to brag about his seven caps. Seven caps. Seven caps. Seven. Or if one of us has laid on a terrible lunch, we'll maybe argue about Brexit too, because everybody <laughs> argues about Brexit all of the time. We're going to start today with what will hopefully be a typically subversive topic. We are asking, is the Premier League really the best in the world and actually does it matter the reasons behind posing this question are Rory they are that after Liverpool's heartbreaking 4-3 defeat at Bournemouth uh, there was a sense that that sort of result only happens in the Premier League which is a logic that really irritates me because I, I don't know if any of you have ever watched any foreign football but um, you do get results of different types in foreign <laughs> football as well some other teams beat other teams in <laughs> other on occasion leagues. and then they don't, they don't all finish 1-0 no it's not that is that is <laughs> Football has done surprisingly well for a sport that only ever finishes 1-0 yeah, in 207 countries across the world to become so popular. But also there's this, there's this thing, anyone who's been to see City or, or has heard Pep Guardiola speak this season, there is this constant sense that he's been asked kind of the same question over and over again, which is, Pep, will you please tell us that our lead is the best in the world? It's better here than it is in Germany and Spain, isn't it, Pep? Please, Pep, tell us it's better. It's not at all a leading question. Our qualifications for talking about this, by the way, is that Rory is, strictly speaking, the European soccer correspondent for the, the New York Times. Well, no, Times. I'm not. I, I, think, I think, in fact, my pact is the entire world. Oh, is but it I'm really? not sure. Apart yeah. from the United States? Apart from the United States, ironically enough. Um, Steve commentates on the French, German and Italian leagues for BT Sport. And Andy once played a Cup Winners' Cup game in Reykjavik. Yeah, I was, I was actually fouled and I was sent to the Barren Tundra for a penalty, which we scored from. I didn't take it, but yes, what I played in Europe. Hang on, you were sent to the Barren Tundra? Barren Tundra, yeah. I was yeah. career oh, you, forward, you, you, as I tended to do throughout my career, did, yeah. and my legs were taken away. Was it a barnstorming run? It was barnstorming. Yeah, yeah I yeah. can imagine. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And that led to the seventh of your 11 knee operations. <laughs> um, okay, so you've put this point about Pep. We'll talk about Pep a little bit more in a moment, but is it, is it arrogance 
Is it marketing? Why can is it so important that the Premier well, League on. is we, the best? Can I should we not establish what is, what is? Are you saying best? So what what, is, right, what do you mean by we're best? We're doing a parameters check. Well, no, best I think that's really important. Is, is such a, it's, it's wide ranging, isn't it? What, what do you mean, Rory, by best? Well, I don't think I don't think it means anything. I think you can make a claim. That the Premier League's marketing kind of changes depending on what's happening. So when English teams kept getting to the final of the Champions League, it was the best league in the world. Now, because they don't, it's the most exciting, which is an equally meaningless yes. qualification. The competitive mm. word gets thrown in. The most competitive around. league in the world, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. And I, to me, I, I think the two crucial things here are how do you establish what any of those things mean and come to any kind of objective viewpoint on it. But also, does it mean anything at all? Because surely the most exciting lead in the world is the one that's got your team in it, mm. I would say. So the best lead in the world, I, d- I don't know how you would qualify that. Would it be European results? Yeah, that's it, the only way It depends way got. in terms of, yeah, are we looking at teams that are successful? Or if you go to watch a football match, do you want intensity? Do you want excitement? Do you not want to know who's going to win? If you're going to, to, to watch a team and they are so good, like Barcelona used to be so good, is that it's great football, it's wonderful football, it's football that can't be challenged by any other team, but is it really enjoyable watching it week after week after week? I, I, it got to a point with me where I got bored with it mm. and I wanted games that could go either way. So the quality slightly dips, but you have the intensity there, which... And that seems to have come into the Premier League now. Intensity is the big thing, isn't it? Mm. Let's press the opposition, let's get the ball back out of the field. And I think that makes it very, very exciting but I'm not sure the quality has improved, certainly this season. So it's almost like there's a, there's a balance to be struck between you don't want too much quality because the greater the quality... The but, more control teams have and the more yeah. likely they are to win, which, which gets boring. I, I think the, the two things I'd say to that are, to an extent, playing devil's advocate. One is that Barcelona... So one of the things that really irritates me is when, when you hear people say, oh, Barcelona, Bayern and Real Madrid, that Spain and Germany, the Leeds aren't competitive because they win 4 or 5 nil every week. It's not true that they win, win four or five nil every week. But also, it's, that's not to say the Leeds aren't competitive or the other teams are terrible. Barcelona and Real Madrid and Bayern Munich are three of the best teams in history. That They would win four or five nil most weeks in any lead, whoever they were up against, because they're amazing. That, that frustrates me enormously, that kind of logic. But... I forgot more the point. That's fine. But excellent, if you, there's you, A and there's also a B, put, the B. The B, the B was very convincing. <laughs> if you put Real Madrid, Barcelona, and Bayern Munich into the current Premier League, which of those three sides do you think has the most chance of being successful? Because I would, I would say Real Madrid. I'd say Bayern. Would you say? I yeah. think probably Bayern. But well, no, it, actually, well, no, I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll go Barcelona. But is, but is that again? You, you're arguing the point about the fact that the Premier League is good for teams like Bayern. And Real Madrid, who are more pragmatic Absolutely, at the moment, yes, yes. as opposed to it just being a wonderfully fair, flair-filled, creative, brilliant league that the best will always prosper. I think so. If you look at Barcelona's, whether it's changing, I don't. I've not seen them too much this season, but it, it always always used to be about control of possession. Mm-hmm. Now the game has seemed to become more about intensity, and we're seeing successful sides in the Premier League now with Chelsea and Man City and, and Spurs playing that way. And that's why Real Madrid, I've never saw Real, Real Madrid like Barcelona. They play a very different way. They yeah. play counter-attacking football, dy- more dynamic football, probably. So that's they why probably I can play say that they because might be more of successful. Barcelona, though, don't they? I don't, I, well, I don't know whether it's a different philosophy. I think, different players I think against, against most teams in Spain, Real play more like Barcelona because mm. they are given that they, they have the ball and the teams are lying in wait and sitting back and hoping mm. to absorb pressure and strike. Don't we, don't we come back to this? concept of best though is actually is it not just personal choice the way that you like your football to be played the kind of football you enjoy 
watching. And an, an Italian football fan would probably shake their head at disapproval with most of the football that they would see in the Premier League mm-hmm. week in, week out, with the possible exception of, of some of the very top games which they might be able to enjoy for the intensity and, and the quality of, of the way that perhaps Chelsea in particular have played in, in recent weeks. And if, if you're looking, a lot of the arguments that the Premier League would make for the reasons why they are the best in inverted commas, well, actually, the Bundesliga would probably lay fair claim to being able to match, if not better, a lot of those claims. Because most mm. Bundesliga games, draws are, are seen as a bit of an inconvenience in the Bundesliga. There are very few nil-nil games. Mm. And in fact, most matches, even those involving Bayern and, and Dortmund, both teams start the game at least with the belief that they can win it and they go about looking like mm. they could win it, which is not something that you could be said for, for games in, in most of the other top divisions around Europe, I would suggest. Well, let's focus on the Bundesliga for a second, because if we're talking about Pep, he came from Bayern Munich. When he started at Bayern Munich, it didn't seem to him to be as easy, or at least that was the perception from others, as it was for Barcelona. So he discovered a way of playing in the Bundesliga that worked, albeit with the best squad. And now he's tried to make that transition from the Bundesliga to England, albeit with not necessarily the best squad, but one of the two or three best squads in the Premier League. So is it the Bundesliga that is the strongest, best, most competitive European league at the moment? Is the, uh, do, do the leagues have their own identity, would you say? So if you're a coach coaching a team within that league, you have to approach it in a certain way. Or can you say, well, this is the way I want to play. I'm going to make that work in the league that I'm playing in. Did Guardiola have a problem taking his philosophy from Barcelona and applying it? to the Bundesliga he, I think there were probably hiccups on the road Steve will know more about this than me but the impression I got was that he adapted his basic principles to fit German football so it, he increased the intensity a little bit he came up with certain little kind of tactical shifts or whatever to, to acknowledge not just I suppose German football but the players he now had at his disposal funnily enough in the excellent book uh, The Numbers Game which is about football and analytics mm-hmm. uh, if you look at not just the number of goals in every league. So I'd basically say yes is the answer to that question. Every country has its own football culture, its own distinctive style. Italy's more tactical, more defensive. Spain is more technical. Germany and England more intense. But if you look at the number of goals scored in every game, pretty much the same across all, all all the big five leagues. Not just that, if you look at where the goals come from, pretty much the same across the big five leagues. So in a kind of pure numerical statistical sense, no, football is the same. The, the thing with Pep at Bayern is that winning the Bundesliga for three successive seasons was not judged as being, you know, job well done. Mm-hmm. His, his failure, if failure is the correct word, to win the Champions League whilst he was with Bayern is ultimately how his reign there is judged. And he's not necessarily sort of fondly remembered by the Bayern fans. But then, coincidentally, they're now looking at Carlo Ancelotti and saying, oh, we're not quite sure this is right. Mm. They've won 15 of Carlo Ancelotti's first 21 games in charge in all competitions. And still people are going, I don't know, is, is he quite the right man for the job? Is this good enough for Bayern? But some clubs have the luxury of, of not just winning, it's the way that they win. Mm. So that's not a lot of clubs, certainly in the Premier League, with it being so competitive this season. Maybe teams were so dominant that they could say, well, we know we're going to win it. It's how our, our style of football wins it for us those days maybe have gone a little bit more because there's more sides in the mix though. so it's getting the job done and maybe you have to adapt your style to, to, to win things that's a really interesting point I've not thought of that before that the confrontation sells units doesn't it and we're currently just on agreeing with each other um, <laughs> the, but no I've not thought about that before that in England mm. playing badly and winning mm-hmm. is a virtue 
does he come out afterwards and say, we've shown we can compete, it showed character, aren't we, you know, haven't we managed to fight scrap for... Uh. Titles are decided by 1-0 wins. Yeah, exactly. It's like, these, are the, seven nil these, are, these are the games that champions win. But in, for Barcelona... <laughs> do, do, only, do people only say it like that? Yes. Everyone, everyone in English football talks a bit like that, and I include journalists and chinch in that. That everyone's, that everyone's got this sort of it's, it's increasing. The world increasingly sort of resembles professional wrestling. And so you're saying that Sean Dyche is essentially the the fifth generation oh man, God, where yeah. everybody's going to eventually talk like him. Twenty fifty, we're all talking like Dyche. The um, no, I think, but in for, for Barca and Real Madrid and Bayern Munich particularly, or even Dortmund to an extent, I guess that's. That that's not a virtue. Scrapping out a two-one win away from home at Real Sociedad is not a good thing. It's not proof of your character. It's crisis, and that that's a big difference in in the way that the leads and the clubs, I guess, kind of perceive themselves. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So we've talked about identity. We've talked about best. What what about and, and competitiveness to a certain extent? What what about strength? And is that represented on a European stage? Because what in the nineteen nineties and early two thousands it was. Italian football mm-hmm. um, I don't know if this is also represented and whether it's cool and culturally cool to like teams from that country um, before 2005 as well Germany and Spain probably got to the to the heart of everything and if you're talking about Champions League winners and who contested the final between 2005 and 2012 there's a lot of Spanish clubs and English clubs and mm-hmm. since then obviously not English clubs um, Germany and Spain have come back so does that mean that at the moment the most or the strongest leagues Germany and Spain because of what happens in the Champions League uh, clearly we're talking about not the, the teams within the leagues we're talking about compared to other leagues we're looking at here are we that, that's what we're trying mm. to balance out. I just think it's incredibly difficult because to me because of the different identities we look at Serie A how can, how can we really truly compare unless on the, the international stage in the Champions League then we judge them and say well the way that you play Juventus against Bayern Munich is going to be very different and which one's going to win out but ultimately it's if you win things the brand of football that you play is then seen as the right way but that isn't necessarily true I looked at Leicester when they won the Premier League I didn't enjoy watching Leicester for one minute but it was massively successful now look at what's happening to them this season it's completely turned around for them so I, I do like teams to be successful but I, I don't think we should get into the trap of well football to, to, to be great and to be enjoyable has to be played in this way play the Barcelona way the Bayern Munich way or the Juventus way surely there has to be a mix of everything and just because you win something doesn't mean that you're getting it right it seems a bit of an odd mm. thing to say but I, I do believe that teams have won things when maybe they shouldn't have done. I think the, the only way of answering the question about strength and depth of the league is to somehow have a third or fourth tier European competition where the teams ranked 10th or 11 in each of those divisions play each other regularly. You know, Kievo against Metz or, you know, oh, throw, actually, throw Burnley against Darmstadt into your quiz. Then you'd find Now out that's mouth-watering. I'd watch that. <laughs> well, Here are if- those teams. Here are those teams. In England, if you take the median team, so 10th and 11th, and in Germany, obviously, it's 9th and 10th because there are fewer teams. Watford and Bournemouth... In France, it's Angers and Marseille. In Germany, it's Mainz and Leverkusen. In Italy, it's Genoa and Inter. In Spain, it's Las Palmas and Malaga. If you were to have a 10-team tournament out of all those, who would win the league? Leverkusen by a mile. Yeah, Leverkusen by... What do we call that league, by the way? (laughs) Good Lord. Well, hang on, I've got... The mediocre. (laughs) I I do have an... This is is patent pending, everybody, so don't go stealing it. But I do have an idea for this that I I genuinely believe is is a goer. So like a rider cup of football. So you take, I've written about this before, but I think it's been scotched from the internet. <laughs> the, the, um, 
So you take. So don't Google it. Don't Google it. It's my idea. Has it just, been ten years and you ask Google to forget it because you're embarrassed by it? Just that whole thing when I was forgotten on the internet under the European Court of Human Rights. Yeah. Um, the so you take all the teams from from Germany, Italy, Spain, and England. I think we can probably just about rule out France. You take twenty teams from Premier League, Serie A, and La Liga. You take the top, the eighteen from the Bundesliga, and the top two in Bundesliga Zwei, right? You put them into groups. Was that a German Sean Dyche? Oh, that was <laughs> wonderful. Bundesliga Zwei. <laughs> You put them into groups. So first place, first place, place, first place, first. Yeah, yeah. Second, 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 second. And you get a point for your lead if you win your group, or two points if you win the group, and one point if you come second. You play the games across the world. At the end of the season, when teams are now doing postseason tours, cities bid for the rights to host them. That's money. You broadcast it across the world. That's money. You tell the teams to take it seriously because they get a huge prize fund at the end. And eventually, you end up with some way of saying, once every two years, yeah. in post in non-tournament years, of saying which is the strongest lead. And you, that is a genuine and, and I think quite practical way of establishing the answer to this question if we decide we want an answer so to rather this than, So rather than the best teams playing each other it's in all the Champions them. League, actually we get the, the terrible, not terrible, <laughs> The relatively <laughs> awful teams to the, play the each mid, other. The midst, yes. the also rounds. Yes, that would that give you a better idea of which league is in inverted commas better? Well, you can make a case every, every which way, can't you? You can say is it is the strength of the league best represented by its strongest teams? Is it best represented by the median teams? Are Mainz the ideal German team? Is is Mainz Genoa the best way of telling whether German or Italian well, I suppose football is stronger? The league is only as good as its weakest link. Or um, is that that's the final? Some weak links in there. Well, that's the, that's just the Maybe middle of the table. It, can we call, no, we can't call it the weakest link. That's done. That's taken. Well, we could call it point. Oh, that's done as well. Looking at that, that list of, of, of 10 clubs from the, the five supposedly top European leagues, Marseille and Inter are both effectively in disarray at the moment. That's yeah. why they are yeah. median teams. So what we learn a little bit from the fact that Mainz and Leverkusen are on that list, who are both playing European football, Mainz have really struggled, as we've seen with Premier League size in the past, to combine Europa League with, with Bundesliga commitments. And, and Leverkusen, who've, who've done well in Spurs group in, in the Champions League, have then struggled at home domestically at the weekend. So that perhaps starts telling us a little bit, bit about the strength of the Bundesliga and that those clubs, have, in, in the same way that sometimes Premier League teams do, mm. that they've really struggled to, com- to, to balance that, that European and domestic football conundrum. Mind you, I was at Leverkusen at Bayern uh, this season they lost 2-1 uh, Kai Havertz the right winner is 17 uh, and is a, a name worth remembering uh, absolutely outstanding Leverkusen lost but gave Bayern all sorts of problems it's not a great Bayern um, Bayern themselves would admit that but Leverkusen are a genuinely good team so they, they have been playing poorly they are completely insane the way they play it makes no sense to play like that uh, but you have to admire them for doing it and they are if you if you look at that that list of 10 teams I've not seen much of Angers this season so I, I don't want to have you not? I haven't oh, no, trivic, 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 trivic. Steve? No, I've not seen Angers this season um, <laughs> but as you say like Inter and Marseille are kind of chaotic at the moment but Leverkusen are a genuinely good team and I think it does to me I think if you were looking at strength in depth across the leads before the radical football becomes a reality and we all become very rich uh, the I would say I would say that the, the Bundesliga probably has the the greatest spread of quality. And they're going through a season currently, which may well be like last season in the English Premier League, which is having a crazy team at the top, confounding all expectations. But also in France. Does Nice are top in France? Nice are also in top of France, but they were, they were a champion. They were they decent last season, yeah. yeah well, here's, yeah. here's the thing for you. If you take out the, the good teams, the, the middling teams and the awful teams. If, you were, if somebody <laughs> gave you a ticket... No, 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 no. <laughs> but take out the, the actual teams. If someone could say, right, we'll give you a ticket to a game we're not going to tell you who's playing who see so it's not Chelsea Man United in the Premier League it's a ticket for a Bundesliga game or La Liga game Serie A or the Premier League which league would you oh, go and watch 
and you don't know who you're going to be seeing but if you said well again the identities of the leagues which which league do you most closely identify with that's probably not just a football question though that's an atmosphere question as well it's and a that, cultural that question might as well, be yeah. why it is that, that's what I tend that. to do and I ask questions they're so wide ranging that yeah. it really does challenge you on so many levels <laughs> so many so many cultural touchstones Andrew it's amazing isn't it yeah yeah it's one yeah. of the things that we've learned about you already from the seven you haven't answered the question though have they almost as because I would I would I would go and watch the Bundesliga I would yeah, I think in terms of you might roll the dice and hope that you got Real Madrid or Juventus, but yeah, if you if you wanted to be sort of more or less guaranteed entertainment, be able to get to the game with your ticket, be able to have a beer in your seat, you'd go to see the Bundesliga. Let's finish this conversation by bringing it back to the Premier League because the, the Premier League has thrilled many a generation since 1992 there's only probably two generations, two generations in that yeah. um, it has provided with incredible storylines the 2012 end of the season will probably never be repeated um, because it was just outstanding so we, we must not belittle the Premier League in, in the way that perhaps talking about everything else a lot more than the Premier League suggests that we are doing so what are the qualities and the strengths of it that genuinely do play into this first argument about Pep not finding it as easy as other leagues to this point so the one thing that all managers say and as a journalist I'm a mere conduit for information <laughs> you simply are your words are uh, their that's words that's one word the, for you the, <laughs> we have to actually, the other it's, word. it's actually one word for me contained in another word for me I like the, yeah. um, the um, oh, yes. please don't dwell on that anybody the what, what a lot of managers say and players is that the, the, one, the one genuine difference is that in Spain if you're losing 2-0 with 10 minutes to go you start conserving energy. You say, right, we've lost this game. We're not going to go hell for leather, all out attack to try and get a draw. Whereas in England, teams do. That is the one thing the Premier League games do genuinely. I think it's probably true of Germany as well, but teams will go, go, go for it for 94 minutes. And that, that, I think, doesn't happen in Italy and Spain. And of course, the television coverage of the Premier League is, oh. is excellent, mm. isn't it, mm. Andrew? Particularly mm. with, uh, with... But it's all, all, all about attracting the best players attracting the best managers attracting the television audience attracting fans and at the moment the Premier League apart from Barcelona mm. Real Madrid and Bayern Munich where we started this conversation um, surely it's managing to do that the one thing I really love about any game within the it is the, it is the intensity of the game again if I go to a I'm not supporting any team in particular I never really have done so if I'm going to be entertained or, or excited about a game I want it to be high tech I'm not too fussed about the quality of the match I just want to be not necessarily see goals but want to see both teams going at it at a certain level we're seeing that now with the with, with Klopp coming into to the Premier League with Conte as well I do like the way that they play the game is so I enjoy it is it becoming tactically more interesting for somebody who understands tactics or at least it's tends to on television. Boring. Is it becoming boring? It's because so, the, the whole idea is, is death, that it's becoming we? it's learning after it's it's not necessarily a proactive league. It follows mm. other leagues and then takes their best, brings them mm. in and then copies it. Is it tactically more interesting than it used to be well, when what, it was just four four two? Well what's happening is all the players that were successful at other clubs in Europe are probably coming over to the Premier League and bringing that tactical now, so the coaches are bringing that now with them as well. So that's why the Premier League in terms of tactics, but only certain clubs. But certain but clubs. Does, does that there's make more, it better though? There's does more variety now in the Premier League. It, England's always had this thing where it, where everyone plays the same way. So Andy and I were talking about it before. Like it was four four two for thirty years, mm. and then it was then Mourinho and Benitez came in, and it was either four three three or four two three one. They were the correct ways of playing, and now you've got back threes, and you've got you know people deliberately signing terrible goalkeepers, and lots of <laughs> lots of big advances in football <laughs> that that 
that make it much more in fact much more like Italy which has always been a, a, a more tactically kind of diverse lead but the and thing it, you said about cool. tactics are cool tactics are cool that people don't Italy. I think yeah so, and what's really interesting is if you think about the um, like that whole Skypad thing mm. The Italians have been doing that without the actual stripad, but they've, the Moviola, the, the slow motion replay, they've been in that for, for 40, 50 years. I guess, maybe not 50 years, but you know, for a long, long time, whereas it's relatively, it's only really Sky who did that in, in Britain. What you said about the, about the quality of punditry, Hugh, people like Niall Twin, people like... <laughs> People like Be very careful. Some what you of say now. some of all of everyone on BT. Everyone on BT. The pundits are fantastic. <laughs> I work with some really good people. The um, Danny Higginbotham. He's good. Um, the Higginbotham. <laughs> Higginbotham. Anyway, the is it Higginbotham? I've been making an idiot of myself. It's Higginbotham. Of course but it is. Don't. Anyway, yeah. the TV vendor, vendor says this the entire time that the, the way the Premier League is packaged is really important. That's that's its other huge strength is that more than any other league, it sells itself. It looks, it's picture perfect on TV. Like you don't get empty stadiums. There's no there's no big tiers of seats where there's nobody there. It sounds brilliant. The mics are well placed. All that stuff. The camera quality is fantastic. The punditry in some cases is quite good. The the um, <laughs> on occasion that, that's huge. That's hugely important. And that's the, that's what the Premier League has taught football. Well, I wanted to start this conversation and probably will end it like this as well with the, the idea of whether it's arrogance or a self fulfilling marketing prophecy. And it sounds like the latter is certainly true. Well, the best thing about, to answer the question about the Premier League's advantage over the other top leagues in Europe is that you look at, you just have to look at the tables. There are four teams currently, the four leading teams in the Premier League, and you wouldn't be surprised if any, of, any one of them went on to win the title. And I don't think you could say that about any of the other top divisions in European football. Yet there are a few, you know, you mentioned Nice in France. There are some interesting names in and around RB Leipzig in Germany. There are some interesting names currently at the top of the table. But the reality is that you would expect that come May, one of the usual suspects lifts a trophy. Whereas yet the names are all familiar at the top of the Premier League. But it would be a tough call to say exactly which one at the moment is going to go on and win it. And that's probably the overriding strength uh, a, a advantage that the Premier League has over, over some of its rivals. I was going to say, surely that has to be a better scenario than when Manchester United were dominating the Premier League or Chelsea were dominating the Premier League. Do we really want the team just year after year because they're so good? Does that show the strength of the league? Actually, at the moment, we'd, to say we've probably got four or five teams who aren't maybe as good as that great Manchester United team, but it makes the league more interesting to watch and it's more, we're not sure what's going to happen. Isn't that better? It's got to be better. Not for maybe the fans of those clubs who want to dominate and win year after year after year, but even for United fans, is that not better? Thank you to everybody. I thought that was a, a sensational conversation. We're going to uh, finish today with the first of many successful and no doubt returning features. And it involves Mr. Andrew George Hinchcliffe. Never mind Jack and Ori. What a soccer story. But I have to start this very gently. I don't want to go steaming in and, and do something libelous, do I? Well, let's explain. You're going yeah. to tell us a tale from your playing days that has had all adult behaviour and libel-worthy details removed. Yeah. So I know Which removes most of them. <laughs> <a story. laughs> Which, this is 99% of them gone. <laughs> so it may well be that we're left with only about two or three editions uh, yeah. worth, but mm. let's give it a go. Andy, if you'd like to tell us a Jack and Ori, what a soccer story well, story. It is a gentle one. It's about a very good friend of mine, Andy Booth. At Sheffield we're, Wednesday, we're, was. we're meant to be removing names. But yeah. well, no, 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 because no, this fine. is a nice story. This this he will appreciate it, and it did behavior. happen. Now, hard or soft Brexit will be lost on this man. He, he isn't... Intellectually, he, he's not up there. He's more Donald Trump than anything else. But <laughs> let's not winner. go down there. He's, he, he can head the ball, though. Donald Trump couldn't do that with that hair. Anyway, 
we were as, as footballers tend to do when we're travelling home from a game we thought right we'll, we'll do something intellectual because that's what footballers do so we thought we'd have a little word association game so what we did we thought right well, you have a word so what, what you then do is you, you're given a word and then the next person has to put a word in front or behind that word Good, so let's, so let's so play say, an example well, give me a word but not something rude give me a word um, cat Cat. That's a yes. good word, isn't it? Now, I can think of a word to go in front of cat. Yes. Like, uh... Bad. But bad doesn't... Bad cat. Yeah. Bad cat. Bad cat. What? I think, I think, no one ever says that. I think we found an Andy Booth. Oh, my goodness <laughs> gracious. He went, he went to Cambridge. Like, really? Yeah, but... What, on holiday? We didn't have to do lots of word association. Good Lord. So, anyway, cat... Yeah, say cat and I can say nip. Right. So then the next person would have the word and then has to have oh, put a I word see. in front. No, I, I thought you were building a sentence. It's a highbrow concept, but, yeah. but stick with me. Andy Brew <laughs> did find it hard. So anyway, we, we get to the point in the game uh, where I'm given the word sand. So have a good think about it. And I go with June. Nice. Nice. Classic Hinchcliffe play. On to Andy Booth. Andy Booth's answer? Whitfield. <laughs> <laughs> So we say Boothy, but June Whitfield. Yes, June Whit. How do you spell June? June Whitfield. D U N E. No, you don't. <laughs> January, February, March, April, May, June. That's not with a D. It's with a J, man. This is how. This again. The, the game stopped there. We had to start drinking after that because it was pointless. So he, he did it sober. Oh God. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, he was that daft so sober. Go, yeah, yeah. Did he go April, May, June, <laughs> July? August, <laughs> but there's more. There's more about Andy Booth stories to come. By the way, this could be a running theme. Uh, well, we, we don't want to don't want to exhaust Andy Booth just at the moment. Although, did he often get exhausted thinking about yeah, how to play word games? So. <laughs> um, well, what a story! What a soccer story! Never mind Jack oh, and Ori. Heady days. Uh, Andrew, you've uh, once again serviced us with quite the story. Thank you very much indeed. Um, thank you to everybody for listening. Please do subscribe as we humbly ask you to find room for us in your podcast schedule. Thank you then to Andy, both Booth and Hinchcliffe, although Booth has not sanctioned the telling of that story in any way. Uh, To Steve, to Rory, to you for listening as well. We'll be back with another set-piece menu for you to enjoy very soon. Um, Thank you very much indeed. So there was this question, right, at the pub quiz Mm. that we attended um, the other day. Can you add together the number of Jenga pieces overall Mm -hmm. to the length in minutes of The Wizard of Oz? Can you do it? And the number of hoops oh, on a croquet pitch. Oh, and the pitch. number of yeah. hoops on a croquet pitch. What, what number do you get to if you add all that together? Can I have a question again? Jenga pieces. Jenga pieces, the length of Wizard of Oz.